0: Well, what's going on, Coastal? How you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us today as we begin a brand new series called My Joy Is My Job. People are very excited about having another job. They're like, I got enough jobs in life. But uh, I, I believe that this is gonna be a series that's gonna be really, really important for us. And before we dive into that today, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, let's give it up for them. Man, we love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today. And and as we're diving into this, I, I really believe that we're in a, a really important time. I, I believe that God put this this series on my heart for a specific reason. And I think it's something that we have got to get into our spirits that my joy, the joy that I have, the joy of the Lord that should be my strength, it is my job to keep that at a certain level in life. It's not anybody else's job. It's not culture's job. It's not your, your spouse's job. It's not your friend's job. It is actually your job and and here 's what I know about life is 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 there are a lot of there, there are a lot of difficult things happening in life there 's a lot of bad news out there. Can anybody agree there 's a lot of bad news i mean we, 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 we have earthquakes in Turkey and syria we 've got covid supposedly ramping back up not really sure i don 't know what to believe on that anymore uh, we 've got interest rates and rising costs out there i mean like eggs are like forty seven dollars i mean it 's We've got wars in the Ukraine. We've got political and social issues. It just seems like everywhere you turn, there is bad news. And it seems like everywhere you look, people are having a bad day. Anybody ever had a bad day out there? couple of us. Okay, for those of you that haven't, I, I want to let you know, bad days happen. In fact, I, as I was reflecting on this message, I thought about one of the worst days I've ever had. It's actually probably the most embarrassing day that I've ever had, which made it my worst day ever. Uh, Shayla and I were married for about four years, and... Uh, we, we were driving home. I don't remember where we were driving home from, but but Shayla was driving the car and I was in the passenger seat because uh, I like to ride. Right, Shayla likes to be in control. I'm, I'm okay not being in control. And, uh, and and so so that's an easier way because otherwise she'd like to tell me how to drive. So I just let her drive. She can just do it. I'll just sit back and relax and sip a latte or whatever. I don't, you know. Uh, and, and, and so we're, we're driving in the car and and, and I wasn't feeling real well, and, and like my stomach was hurting. Anybody ever had one of those days where you're your like stomach's hurting? And, 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 and as we are, have you ever noticed this, that like as you get closer to your home, your stomach always starts to hurt a little bit worse? It's so like, I don't know what the, what the psychology is that, but as we are getting closer to our home, my stomach was hurting more. And I was like, Shayla, I, I'm gonna need you to get home a little bit faster than, than what you're currently going at. Like, like I'm gonna need you to speed in this moment. I don't care if you get a ticket. I don't care if the cop chases us home. We need to get home right now because something's not right with my stomach. And, and, and so Shayla, she speeds up. And, and again, we're getting closer and closer to our home. And because she's going so fast, we hit a bump, and when we hit this bump, I, I just go, oops. And Shayla looks over at me, and she goes, did you just poop your pants? And I go, I, I don't know. Let me check. And, 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 and I was wearing khaki pants, which is the last time I ever wore khakis in my life. Uh, and, and I just kind of felt behind me, and I was like, Yes, I did. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, and we start laughing like you're laughing right now. Like we just, I, I, you know, like what do you do in that moment? Like I was, I was trying. So i like I started wearing depends after that, and it was no, I'm just. And every time we would hit a bump from their forward, she'd be like, did you poop your pants? And like, For the last 18 years, that's what she asked me. And what turned out to be what was a bad moment, embarrassing moment. In fact, I've never told that story in public. I'm sure you could all figure out why turned out to create a, a ton of joy in our lives. <laughs> and, and, and I want to talk to us about, over the next couple of weeks, about how do we find joy in the middle of life situations? Like, how do we learn how to have joy no matter whether we're in a high, whether we're on a low, whether we're facing adversity, whether we're facing difficulty, whether we're facing a bad moment? And I think if there was ever somebody that could teach us on this subject, it would be the Apostle Paul. And we're going to be studying the book of Philippians over the next couple of weeks. And it's an important book in the New Testament. It's actually a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the, the people in Philippi. It was a church that he actually planted. And, and so he's wanting to have a conversation with them. And, and, but the problem is, is he has gone to Rome on a missions trip. And when he gets to Rome, he is arrested and he is actually in prison, chained to the, a guard 24 hours a day. And he's writing this, this book to the people, the Philippian people, because he's awaiting his execution. He's like, I wanna give you some things that I think are so important for you. And you think about that. He's in Rome, he's in prison, awaiting execution. And yet Paul has this perspective of, even though he is facing a lot of problems and a lot of difficulty, he is thinking about other people. It's a pretty amazing perspective. So we're gonna jump in Philippians chapter one, starting in verse three. It says this, I thank my God every time I remember you, in all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I'm like, hold on, Paul. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Like, you're in prison awaiting execution. And when, I, when I, I'm thinking about life and I'm thinking about other people, you're, you're praying with joy. Like, how are you doing that? It's because he wasn't necessarily just looking at his life. He wasn't just looking at his perspective. He wasn't just looking at his situation. He says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And you go, like, how in the world was Paul able to focus on others? And I think it's because Paul realized that his, his feelings and his circumstances were never going to, he was never going to allow them to rule his life. He had something more powerful in his life than the pursuit of happiness. It wasn't the thing that sustained him. It wasn't the thing that made him. He found something that was so much greater than happiness. He had an internal joy that sustained him through every aspect of his life and here's what i know is because we we live in a country where our declaration of independence says that man every american has an inalienable right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that a lot of us what we do is we pursue happiness we pursue it from a young age we're like give me a happy meal then as we get older, we're like, take me to happy hour. <laughs> How many of you know, happy hour doesn't end very happy. And we think that happiness is going to sustain us in life. The problem is, is that happiness is fleeting. It's like chasing after the wind. Right when you think you get to happy, the line moves on us. You're like, oh, I I got. Oh, no, I thought I was happy, but now happy has moved. Oh, let me get there. No, oh, happy's moved here. Oh, and we're constantly chasing happy, and we're wondering why we're struggling in life. In fact, I I have people ask me all the time, "Are you happily married?" Nope. (laughs) I have moments of happiness. But sometimes, Shayla wants me to take a long walk on a short bridge. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> come on, you know your spouse wanted to do the same thing with you. <laughs> we're not alone in that, okay? But we realize that we're not going to pursue happiness. We're going to pursue something greater, something that is lasting, something that is sustaining, something that doesn't change with the winds of the day. And that thing is joy. And so I, I want to help us understand the difference between happiness and joy before we kind of move on here. See, happiness is something that is external. It, it, it's everything on the outside in life has to be perfect. There, there can be no rainy days and it needs to be 72 with a slight breeze out of the east. And, and, and the sun just a little bit cloud covered. And you, for, for it to be perfect. Why? Because everything is based on the external where joy is based on the internal because if you look at Paul's life if he would have been if he would have been ruled by the external circumstances of his life let's see he was shipwrecked he was beaten he was imprisoned he was snake bitten he was stoned and I'm not talking recreationally parkland <laughs> like if you look at it from that perspective it, the external things like there is no reason he should have ever had Any aspect of happiness or joy, but because joy is not something that's external, it's internal. Man, he exudes it everywhere he goes. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. And all of us that are aging know what that means. It says, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, what's interesting is, is Paul's idea of light and momentary troubles and my idea of light and momentary troubles, I think, are very, very different. Like, my idea of a light and momentary trouble is is like when I'm out on that golf course and the car girl stops by and they don't have orange Gatorade. I'm like, why are we not, why are we playing golf right now? Or or when I go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast and it's 10.31 instead of 10.30 and breakfast has ended and I'm stuck in line now going through with nothing to order. Come on. That's my idea of of a light and momentary trouble. Paul is imprisoned, talking about light and momentary troubles. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, which is the external, but on what is unseen. Because what we see is temporary. That's why... Happiness is external, but what is unseen is eternal. Joy is something so much greater. How about this? Happiness is based on circumstances. In fact, the word happiness comes from the Latin word hap, which means circumstances or luck. It means if everything is working out, then I'm happy. Or the word circumstance literally means the circle of your stance. So, so if, if the things that are around you are good, then I have happiness. That's why when you ask people, hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. I'm like, well, what are you doing under those? <laughs> Nobody told you to get under your circumstances. But a lot of us, that's where we live and we're wondering why. We don't have joy. You see, joy is based on Christ. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based on Christ. In fact, a few years ago, I had this discussion with this couple that came in for some counseling. And they, they, they wanted to get a divorce. And they said, I, I said, well, why do you want to get a divorce? And they said, well, God wants us happy. And I went, huh. <laughs> I haven't seen that verse yet. Can you you show me where that is? Listen, church. Lighthouse point. God doesn't want you happy. He wants you obedient. He wants you holy. And when we become obedient and holy, we'll discover something so much greater than happiness. We'll discover a sustaining joy That comes from knowing our Savior. That that we'll understand what Paul said in Philippians 4. That I've learned to be content. No matter what the circumstances. Because the circumstances don't impact me. Because I have got something inside of me. That is so much greater and so much stronger. How about this? Happiness is based on chance. Like you're just banking on like man. I hope everything goes well. Like, you're happy because you pulled into Target, and as you were going down the lane, somebody in the front row pulled out just in time for you to get that spot. And so all of a sudden, I'm happy because I didn't have to walk even though I needed exercise. <laughs> or, or you're trying to go somewhere, and you're driving down to university, and every light turns green so you don't have to speed, and, and you get there early. Have you noticed that it not only happens when you're running ahead of time? Yeah. But the moment that you're late, you're speeding and you're hitting every red light and, and you're not very happy, are you? In fact, you're, 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 you're saying things that you wouldn't normally say. You're, you're waving with singular fingers. I mean, there's all kinds of... Uh, whereas our joy is actually based on a choice. Like it doesn't matter if all the lights are green or they're all red, I have a choice in the middle of that To choose joy. Why? Because my joy is my job. And I don't know if you realize this or not. But all of us have a choice. The people that are happy are not lucky or more fortunate. The people that have joy are not happy or more fortunate. Because here's what I know. Every single one of us have problems. Whether you know God. Or you don't know God. I know there's, there's a lot of phenomena like, hey, come to Jesus and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. That's a lie. It's not. Yeah. If some pastor told you that, shame on him. Because yeah. it's not going to be that way. There is going to be. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. Like he said, you're not exempt for it. But here's the thing. When trouble comes, you have a choice. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now here's the deal. Now choose. Now choose. You and I get a choice in how we are going to live. And you and I can daily choose... To have joy. And a lot of us, what we've done is because we've been chasing happiness, we've gotten this ridiculous cycle of just going around and around and around, chasing it, never having it come to fruition in our lives. And it's time for some of us to break the cycle of chasing happiness and begin to chase God. So that we can experience the fullness of His joy in our lives, and I believe that as we study Philippians chapter one here, we'll discover the secret of joy that that it comes from this place of of no matter what is going on around me, that there is something inside of me that is going to sustain me. And I believe it begins with a prayer that Paul prayed in Philippians chapter one in verse nine through eleven. In fact, it's a it's a prayer that I learned in Bible college to to pray every morning. I would encourage some of you you to put yourself in this scripture here and pray this is how I pray and this is my prayer that TJ your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that TJ you'll be able to discern what is best and what is pure and blameless until the day of Christ that I'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to be the glory and praise of of God, and you go well. Well, how can you how can you pray that way? How could Paul possibly pray that way? Because he knew that bad things were going to be happening in life. I know bad things are going to happen in life. But what I've discovered because of the influence of Paul in Scripture is number one is that I've got to get over the distractions of what's happened. And a lot of us, what we need to do is there are a lot of things that have happened in our lives and we have yet to realize that it is a distraction and that we've got to move beyond it. Some of us have never moved beyond the point of disappointment that we had in that moment. And you've allowed disappointment to rule your life for the rest of your life instead of going, it happened. I can't change what's happened. I've got to begin to move forward. In fact, I have a rule uh, for myself. I've I've taught it to some of our staff is is that I'm allowed. This is my rule. It's not scriptural. So I'm just going to tell you it. I'm allowed to be upset at something for 24 hours. I had a bad day, something bad happened. Somebody said something about me. I'm allowed to be mad about it for 24 hours. At the end of that 24 hours, it's time to move on. Because I've wasted enough time on that thing at the end of 24 hours. That's all that I'm ever gonna allow something to roll around and dictate my life in my head. And for a lot of us, we don't let it go for 24 hours, we let it go for 24 years. Or 24 weeks, or 24 months continually analyzing what went wrong. Notice what Paul does in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened, and let's be honest, a lot of things have happened. He says, to me, has really served to advance the gospel. What's amazing right there is, is that Paul is actually using the word that I think is the word for our church this year. What's happening to you, whether you recognize it or realize it, is that God is actually trying to use that distraction, if you'll get past it, to advance you into something different. He actually wants to use that problem, that adversary, that, that, that thing that is so overwhelming in your life to do something great. And here's the deal. What that means is that maybe your plan didn't work out. Right. And I think the problem that a lot of us have is that we go into things with, we have an idea of what the plan is. Here's the plan. Here's how it's going to work. Here's what's going to take place. And I'm going to move forward. But the Bible tells us many are the plans in a man's heart. But the Lord determines the path. And a lot of us, we put plans in our heart, but then when the Lord is trying to determine our path, we get upset and we haven't realized that God is actually trying to advance us maybe a little bit differently than how we thought it would be. Because God wants to actually do something else in our life. And because we don't move past it, we get bogged down in the endless whys. Why did this take place? Why did it happen like that? Why did they say this? Why is this going on in my heart? And we just continually ask why, 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 why? Instead of, instead of asking why, we should be asking what? Now, God, what are you doing? Now, God, where are you trying to get me to move? God, what is the purpose of this? Now, God, what do you want to show me? God, what do you wanna, want me to do through this? And if instead of asking why, we started asking what, we would discover and begin to move past the distraction of what happened so that we can, number two, we could discover the new opportunities that God has for our lives. Because God really does want us to advance. So we have to begin to look. And to search and to mine for the new thing that he's trying to do. Continues on in verse 13. It says, as a result. And I think this is important. Because God wants a result. And a lot of us, the results that we're settling for is hurt and pain. And frustration. And God's going, no, no, no. I've got a different result. If you would open up your eyes and you would start to look around at the opportunities, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now think about this. In Paul's life, what has seemed like a setback, being chained up in prison in Rome, has actually become a set up. It's an obstacle that has now been an opportunity. I mean, because Paul's vision was, I'm going to go to Rome... And, and I'm going to preach to the Roman people and I'm going to win hundreds and thousands of people. And, and what what he thought was a setback in his life because he's chained into prison. 2,000 years later, we're reading his letter in a totally different language in a totally different part of the world that th- millions upon millions upon millions of people have heard this letter that he had to write to the church in Philippi because he was not able to go do what his plan was. All of a sudden, God helped him to a new opportunity. And I'm telling you, for some of us today, if we would get outside of ourselves and we start to look around the opportunities, what we thought was going to be big, God's got something so much bigger for us. But we're so focused on the small little thing that we had a plan for that we miss out on the giant plan that God has for our lives to actually advance us to something significant and so much further than our own idea could have ever been. I think back uh, four years ago, a little over four years ago, we were uh, one church, two locations, both portable. One meeting in Monarch High School. The other one meeting in the Movie Co. in Pompano Beach on the corner of US1 and, and, and Copens Road. And I remember right before we were getting ready to move into this space, two weeks before we are getting ready to move into this building, moving our Monarch High School location into here, we got a, our, uh, the movie theater told us we had to be out. And we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We started searching for places. We, we went to every high school. We went to every middle school. We went to elementary schools. None of them would let us meet there. I went to this church called Trinity United Methodist Church. They had an extra sanctuary. I asked them, hey, would you guys possibly lease us this space? Would that be possible? They thought about it for two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, they said, you know what? We just don't think it would be a good idea to lease this space to you. And, and I, was, I was heartbroken. And I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, what are we going to do with these hundreds of people that are meeting at this location right now? Like, they're just going to, like, they're probably not going to drive all the way out to Parkland. We got to care for these people. And I felt like, man, such a failure that my plan had failed, that it was this massive, massive setback for us as a church. Well, lo and behold, two years later, COVID hits. This church goes through a major transformation. They call us up in the middle of COVID and say, hey, we don't want to lease you our church. We actually want you to buy our church. Why don't you? You come and take this church over. and It's where our lighthouse point location meets today. And what may seem like a setback for you is actually a setup for God. If you'll just start to see the new opportunities and maybe it doesn't happen right away, but that doesn't mean that God isn't working together all things for good to those who love him and called according to his purpose. And if you will stay on track and go, God, I trust you. I believe in you. Never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. Man, I am on the path with you. You'll see God do the impossible. Yeah. Right. And then, number three, you, here's what you got to do you got to focus on what really matters. You got to focus on what really matters. And this is hard. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Because if you're like me, I get frustrated. And I can get so focused on details that I get I get angry. I get upset. And my pastor, Pastor Randy Bizet, used to, he used to see this in me all the time. He probably still sees it in me if he was around me that much. <laughs> but I, I remember he, he taught me this thing that actually he and his brother used to do when they were kids. That every time a difficult circumstances came around, every time there was a difficult moment, instead of saying, so what? They would just whistle, they'd go. (whistles) And so we'd be in meetings, I'd start to get upset and I'd hear my pastor go. (whistles) And I knew exactly what that meant. It meant, so what? So what? Because he knew, a hundred years from now, is this really going to matter? So what? In light of eternity, that person cutting you off on 95, is it really going to matter right now? Some of y'all are going to be whistling all the way to work. You're just... I don't recommend you do this with your spouse. It is not a good idea. In fact, on the count of three, we just all need to practice this because I I think this is going to help some of you. One, two, three, there you go. Some of y'all need to work on your whistling game, Not, not during church, afterwards, afterwards. Okay, that's enough. Lighthouse Point, you can do that all you want. But here, this is not. we got to start looking at our situations and going, is this really important right now? Check out what Paul says in verse 15. Because he's going through it. He's he's having some difficult moments. This is what he's going through. There's some people that are doing some stuff. He goes, is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of goodwill? The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change. And then he says this famous line, but what does it matter? And some of us, we got to get that spirit of but what does this matter? In the grand scheme of things, he says the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. And he said, check this out, and he says, because of this, I choose to rejoice. Whether it's the way I think it should happen, or a totally different way, here's what I'm going to choose to do. I'm going to choose to have joy. What the apostle Paul realizes that in light of eternity, so much of the pettiness that we get stuck in and frustrated with, it doesn't. Really matter. And when you get that perspective, when that becomes how you see things, here's what happens. Few things in life ever, ever really bother you at the core of who you are. And then here's what Paul does Paul gives us the key to living with ultimate joy in verse 21. He says, For me to live is Christ to die is gain. They're like, TJ, what does that mean? He's saying basically there's nothing out there that can steal my joy. Well, how can he say that? Because what Paul understood is that when you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. Like there is no losing in life. And here's what I know, church, some of you guys you're going through it right now like you're facing obstacle and adversity and family and coworkers and bosses and it feels like the enemy is attacking you on a, he's coming from the left he's coming from the right he's coming from the top he's coming from the bottom he's coming from the front he's coming from the back he's coming from every single angle And it just feels so overwhelming because you're like, well, but how do I win? How do I defeat this? How do I overcome this? Here's how you overcome. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ and the word of their testimony. So what God has already done in your life, because if he's been faithful in the past, He'll be faithful in the present. And he'll be faithful in the future. It says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It says they did not love their lives. Like, life did not control them. Why? Because they didn't have all of their stock in this life. And listen, church, when heaven is your home earth doesn't have as much influence on you it doesn't have the same effect because you realize that you are just passing through that's why heaven is called our blessed hope maybe for some of you that are here today or watching online or at our Lighthouse Point location earth is taking its toll on you earth is kicking your butt and taking your name and could i just ask maybe it's because you've put all of your hope and all of your stock and all of your worth and all of your value in the things of this world and you have no joy because this is all that there is because you really need this to work out Maybe today, you need to make heaven your home. Maybe today, you need to put your stock in something that is so much greater, so much stronger than this world could ever give you. And it's the ultimate gift that God gives in His Son, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. The joy of your salvation. And maybe you need to receive that today for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about a covenant relationship with a God that loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, that he didn't want any of us to perish but have everlasting life. Jesus actually said, I came to give you life and give it to the full. Full life is a life that's full of joy. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know what, Pastor T.J., I need to experience that life. You can. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, Lighthouse Point, right here in Parkland. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. I'd love to pray with you. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you. Who else? Yes. Yes. Who else? Anybody else? If you will pray this prayer in your heart, as I pray it out loud, say, "God, thank you for loving me and giving me the ultimate gift in life—the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ—that I I don't have to put all of my stock and all of my hope in this world. But there is a greater hope; there is a greater one than this world has to offer, and it's your Son. Got to ask you to forgive me of my past." Change my present and secure my future. Come into my heart and take over my life. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And help me live with abounding joy in every moment, in every situation of every day. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen.